In this episode of The Full Nerd, a review of a review of a review. And, and how to buy cheap parts. No, wait, that's all right. Okay, that's the second topic. We're going to do that again. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, here we go. Well, because originally I thought we were going to do a review of the video over there, but, you know, we did that with the Crossing the Streams one. It didn't go over that well. People complained. So. I mean, you can still call it that, but you forgot the second part. <laughs> this is why I paused. Yeah. <laughs> all right. In the, okay, you're still laughing. All right, here we go. In this episode of The Full Nerd, a review of review of a review and how to buy new parts. Welcome to The Full Nerd, episode 171. I'm your host, Gordon Maung, with co-host Brad Charkas. Hello, Internet. Eleni is here. Did the music speed up at the end? That was weird. I don't think so. And, and Adam Patrick Murray, who is speeding up the music at the end to get us to the end faster. I, you know, I have a feeling I'm having more audio problems. God damn it. Uh, but uh, speaking, <laughs> hey. speaking of other audio problems, I, I want to say this up front. I, I said the la- at the end of the last episode, but I, I want to get in housekeeping right up front for all you fine uh, viewers and listeners out there. Uh, we recently switched podcast provider uh or hosting providers whatever so uh it it broke the spotify links unfortunately so now you need to go to spotify resub to the new spotify uh link all the rest of them should be updated if if there's a podcatcher that that didn't get the new feed and you're stuck on episode 167 uh reach out to me on twitter or email let me know uh I, i think i've been able to figure out most of the uh the podcast problems uh, at this point. So everyone should be getting the new feed, uh, including Google podcasts uh, and even stitcher You're, you know, even though nobody really listens over there, uh, I was able to get stitcher going. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, then uh, nobody, nobody uses it period. This I mean, like, there, there, there's, there's some listeners over there, but you know, I mean, it's good to be everywhere, right? Uh, the, the more options, the better. Mm-hmm. It just, when something breaks, then it becomes a problem to then try to fix everything. <laughs> So I never want to have to do yeah. this again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's, let's dive into uh, a uh, a fun topic. Uh, a, a, the the preview of a re-review is what I'm calling it. Yeah. So if if you have not been paying attention to the news uh, last week, uh, Dr. Ian Cutchers, who we've had uh, interviewed before at CES who has been a long time a non-tech reviewer actually ran a review of Intel's upcoming 11th gen core i7 11700K chip that he purchased retail. Wait a I, second. I thought that was coming out at the end of the month. Yeah, that of course is the crazy thing is the chip is not out yet. Intel's been talking about it ever since CES, but somebody majorly screwed up and was selling the CPUs. Uh, Ian got a hold of one. He did a full review of it. I have to be, pick very carefully through my brain because there are some things I can't talk about. I want to make sure I do not violate this. We are obviously doing this live and things don't come back. So I'm going to be careful how I pick my words on this. But Ian basically did a full review of the 8-core chip, um, you know, Rocket Lake S. 
you know, definitely well before it's going to come out uh, based on a retail part that he purchased for $469 in Freedom Dollars, I believe. Yes. Eight cores, 125 watts, uh, according to his numbers, base of 3.6 gigahertz uh, and turbo of 5 gigahertz. All core turbos, 4.6 gigahertz. Um, and the, the most important thing more than those raw numbers is while this is still another 14 nanometer part rocket, like guess, uh, this is the ice Lake sunny cove architecture backported, which that was originally 10 nanometers. This is that architecture backported to 14 nanometers, uh, for the desktop. So it's quite a bit different under the hood than what you can buy on shelves right now. So that's just worth pointing out. It also has uh, the integrated Z graphics or XZ graphics, whatever they call it. Yeah. And it is significant because this is, everybody's been complaining for years that basically all we're getting is Skylake Plus, Skylake Plus Plus, Skylake Plus 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 Plus. This is uh, a different microarchitecture. You have seen this in, as Brad just said earlier, the original 10th gen Ice Lake chips. They've, of course, instead of being on 10 nanometer, it is based on 14 nanometer. So as everybody in the world knows, you're not getting a 10 core part. This is public info. You will be getting an eight core part is a top end 11th gen part because it's just bigger, right? These, these, this design was made for 10 nanometer. It wasn't made for 14 nanometer. So there were compromises to be made to get it onto Intel's existing 14 nanometer process. And if you go through, and again, because uh, uh, Ian did the review, I want to give the sh- you know the shout out to Ian and Anantech. Go over to Anantech. It's, I'm sure it's at the top of the page still. You should go over there if you want to see all the full details. We certainly don't want to go through and lift all the numbers. We are mostly going to talk about the results that he saw in his testing. And, and go I have read to it. Say, Do definitely go read it. Go like, read it. That's you don't see reviews a month before launch very often. And Ian is excellent at his job and goes into great detail while avoiding all the NDA headaches. So definitely go read it. Yeah. And, and it does happen. Um, and it is true. It happened. It used to happen a lot more. Uh, I can remember back in the days where just for some historical context, Anon would always be, you know, a couple weeks ahead of everybody. And as a reviewer, you're always like, what's up with this? Why are you letting Anon go? And at a certain point, you realize, you know, Anon, because of who he was, he didn't get repercussions. And, you know, honestly, I came to see pre-reviews as is fine because it sort of it sort of sets your expectations a reviewer for what you might see. So uh, it's not too bad. And also what's very different about Ian's review versus all of the leaked leaks on leaks on leaks uh, results you've seen over the last month and a half is, you know, this is, you know, Ian is a respected hardware reviewer. You know, it's him. It's actually his name. It's his picture. It's not some nerd on Twitter, you know, four, seven, eight, seven, four, and it's a real person. So it has more weight than leaked reviews. Also, also this is not a leak. This is a review right. of a part that he mm-hmm. bought at a store that other people are buying at stores. So right. people are like, oh, NDAs, ethics, stuff like that online. Ian nailed this. Like, this is a review of expensive hardware that people in very select markets can actually buy right now. Yeah. And really the screw up is, of course, the vendor who sold it, which we don't know where he got it, but we can guess. It's the one vendor that sold a couple hundred of these chips well ahead of time. So... 
Yeah. Although, I mean, we maybe we can discuss this later as to whether you can technically still review it or not. I I don't know. That's that's not for me. It's it's probably for lawyers to discuss. But it is what it is. And overall, you know, there's Ian did a lot of testing. Uh, there were definitely some high points. Uh, I think the some of the encoding tests look pretty promising, and of course, the AVX five twelve stuff, the AI stuff, look pretty promising. You would expect that because the previous generation 10th gen parts and all the others did not have AVX 512. That was only on the original Skylake X part. So we're now seeing this on a desktop part. There, you know, decent performance increases again in uh, encoding. But, you know, I can, definitely. I want to talk about that AVX 12 stuff at some point. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so one of the big narratives that came out of in the wake of the interview is that this is a crazy power hungry chip. Uh, which is true, but is also requires a lot of context because people are looking at the graph that Ian put up there and said, hey, this thing is 290 watts peak power draw. What yep. the heck? Yeah, That is only while running AVX 512 workloads, which no other consumer desktop chip does. And in those workloads, this thing smokes. It kicks all kinds of butt compared to the other. It's because it has support for it. That makes sense. Uh, that's the only circumstance where it hits 292 watts. If you go back to standard AVX2 workloads, it hits, according to Ian, 225 watts, which is about 20 watts more than the 10700K does in the same workload. So yes, it's a little bit more. It's comparable, I, I think. 20 watts isn't that different to what you find in the 10700K. I think people are really, really over... Like they're looking too hard at that 292 peak number because most people are never ever going to see that. That being said, by by Ian's numbers, uh, the Ryzen 7 5800X is only 142, so you know 80 right. watts better. But I just want to point that out because everyone's like, "Oh, this thing's a power hungry beast," and so on and so forth. And it's like, no, only in this super specialized workload that no other chip does. Like, keep keep it in context, y'all. Yeah, you know what's interesting because we saw. Rumors saying Rocket Lake was going to be stupidly power hungry and hot last year. And then we got to CES and Intel was like, oh, yeah, it's 120, 20, 125 watt TDP. That's the official spec out of Intel at, at CES. Um, I felt a little better, you know, and of course now we're sort of back to that original narrative of like, oh my God, this thing is going to, it's going to melt things. And I, I'm glad you pointed that out, Brad. And I, AVX that AVX 512 is not what most people are running, and I guess the other argument you could make if you were looking to make excuses is like, yeah, sure, it's 300 watts, but we finish it in a third of the time of the other parts. So, yeah. you know, for AVX 12 workload, five. So if workload. if we crank it up to you know near 300 watts and we're done in a third of the time of some other chip, then you know it sort of in the end probably maybe balances out. I guess you could argue that, but I, I do think that that's one of the dangers in leaked reviews. It's not a leaked review, but in a, in a pre-review of a part before, before the fog of war, you're playing a video game. And before that, that fog of war is lifted, we don't really know everything yet. So um, if, if the internet's going to run away with the, this is a 300 watt CPU when you're just, doing nothing but running Microsoft Word, that that's not the, the right takeaway. So hopefully people do understand it. And, and I don't blame Ian or Anontech because 
he was very clear that this is under an extreme, you know, case, uh, work case. But, you know, that's, that's not what fits into a tweet when you want to rub it in, in Intel's face and you're an AMD fan, right? So. Yep. But I will say, you know, so some things look good. And then some things were obviously a little underwhelming. Um, you know, I think clearly a lot of the, the standard rendering benchmarks, you know, it didn't, it didn't show well against Ryzen. I guess expectedly you wouldn't think it would. It is, it is still a 14 nanometer part, but even the single threaded, it didn't come up. I know for the hardware unbox review of the review, they're like, yeah, that's pretty disappointing, especially because we've seen Tiger Lake. Tiger Lake in, in laptops has been a pretty stellar part. So a lot of people are like, why isn't this doing it? Well, it, Ian pointed out in his review of Hardware Unbox's review that this is, remember, it is still a variation of, of Ice Lake. It is not Tiger Lake. So it kind of is what it is. Um, but it is a little disappointing to sort of see some of the tests where it's like Ryzen 5800X because it does really, really well against this part, you know? Yep. Did, did you think that's a problem? Because you, I think I expected um, this i7 11th gen part to really sort of at least be very, very close most of the time. Some things is faster, but there are definitely things where it was a backseat to Ryzen and sometimes even a backseat to a, a, a 9900KS part, I think. Yeah, like especially the gaming test, that was one of the takeaways for me. Like it does appear in the incest to be slightly slower than the 10700K, which is available now. And even the 9900KS, which you just referenced, which is two generations old, is sometimes faster in gaming tests than the 11700K. Uh, I think, again, context matters. Uh, the 9900KS was an extremely rare ultra bend version of that chip. So that's like the cream yeah. of the crop from that batch. Whereas we don't know what this is. This is something he bought at a store. So that's worth keeping in mind. But it, it, it is clear that if these hold true for the final reviews, then, you know, it, it's kind of weird because Intel's been hanging its bag on gaming performance the last few generations. And at this, it looks like they took you know, a minor step backwards, perhaps. Yeah, and uh, looking at a lot of the gaming results um, from the pre-review of uh, over uh, that Ian did, I was... No, it's, a, it's a review. He calls it a review. It, it is yeah. what it is. He's reviewing a part that he bought at a store. So it is yeah, a review. It is a review. <laughs> um, the one thing we don't know, which he does talk about a little bit, is we don't know the motherboard he used on it and also could... BIOS updates change it? Probably not, you know, but a you little know, bit. We, a little bit. We don't know. The other thing is, he also, I'm looking at it, he did run JEDEC memory. So 3200 and 2933. So the parts, official JEDEC parts, although uh, fully loaded. So that can help. I do wonder, you know, because looking back to my original 5000 review, I reviewed Ryzen at the recommended 3730. 33 speeds, right? So well above JEDEC, technically overclocked, technically voiding warranty on the CPU. But I'm I'm interested to see what happens with this part with higher clock memory. Do they pick up an advantage that we're sort of not seeing here in the gaming benchmarks, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, a lot of people who are gamers will be running faster memory. 
That being said, I can understand why Ian decides to test this way. He's saying we will test the memory at the highest that these vendors officially rate their stuff for. So that makes sense. It's a baseline review. Yeah. But isn't that, I mean, you know, because going back to the original Ryzen review, my argument for how I tested back then was we're going to run this fully loaded. So mm-hmm. the original Ryzen, when you fully loaded uh, the memory slots, you were not running at high clocks, right? You just weren't. The chip wasn't rated for it. Memory modules weren't really qualified for it. That was just all you could do. And it sort of hurt Ryzen, right? So then we saw with, you know, we saw the whole pushback against 1080p gaming tests. We saw like you should be running that was silly. memory. But I mean, it came to like, okay, well, in Ryzen 2, I tested it at, you know, outside Jetic, you know, speed memory. Should we... How how do how do reviewers handle memory speeds? Uh, I know Steve at Gamers Nexus has gotten to the point where he goes in and and tunes each of the the sub timings for the memory for the CPU to make sure they're the same, which I think is useful, but also not really realistic necessarily because that's not what the average person is going to do. What what yeah. should you? What I don't think do? there's any. I don't think there's any right or wrong answer. I think what you've been doing is perfectly valid, and I think that actually represents a valid real world use case. Like people who buy faster memory and put it in and activate it. That's that's what you do, and that's what people in the real world are going to do. I think what Steve at Gamers Nexus does is also valid to ensure that consistency between tests, even if it's not necessarily quite as practical in the real world. And Ian at an Antec here. They write a lot for business and enterprise and researchers and stuff like that, where being within the officially supported up, supported spec makes a big difference. So I think there's a very, very valid reason for them to be testing this in this way, too. So I, I think there's no right answer there. You just need to know what you're looking at. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. It's always good to bounce. Um, in looking at a lot of the numbers from Ian's review... There were definitely some games, Gears Tactics, uh, you know, uh, very much uh, an RTS game with a lot of units on the screen, so more CPU limited. 1080p performance favored. Uh, Core i7, 11, 11th gen Core i7. But when you run at low quality, you know, Ryzen 5800X, very low quality, 720p low resolution. So basically, it's the old, we're going to run this, with no GPU considered, Ryzen actually was about 389 frames a second versus uh, 11700K's 310. Most of the Intel parts were actually very similar. That's basically about the same performance he saw out of a 10700K as a 9900KS. Um, very close to each other, and it does feel like that's it. really just sort of once you run at very, very low res, um, with the CP, with the GPU totally out of it, it, that sort of great big fat cache that I think Ryzen has sort of really benefits at that. But and Ian points out that they they think uh, part of the reason for the less than expected gaming results is because of there's increased latency communicating between the cores. So again, go check out his his piece. He explains it. They have graphs on everything. But they, they change the design, and there's more latency between cores, and that's affecting gaming performance. Is Ian's, you know, guess or what he thinks is from happening his, from the data from his written review, and then also from his review. And I just want to—it's oh, too bad we can't use the video from his review of the hardware unbox review. 
He also feels a lot of the gaming benchmarks that Intel has shared tend to be more CPU-limited. Um, resolutions and settings that are more CPU-limited, so you, then you would you would sort of accentuate the advantage that the high-clocked 11th gen would have over a Ryzen part. So, you know, we'll see when we, we get more parts out there, especially That's- whatever we get for review, but... That's not a knock on Intel either. I mean, every company is going to put their products in the best light, and that's what you should expect from these first-party marketing numbers. So, again, I'm yeah. just trying to add context to all these things as they no, pop up. No, I hear you. It's it's, but you know, there there's definitely some things where, like Red, I'm looking at Red Dead Redemption. You know, 1080p max settings. It's basically dead even between all of the parts. So it's very GPU limited. 1080p max. Uh, at lower, low resolution, low quality, though, again, you know, Ryzen 7 5800X is 190 frames a second, and the 11700K is at 1, 149, 150. I believe he did all of his testing with the with t- uh, 2080 Ti's as well, because you know, he probably doesn't have multiple 30 series cars either, so mm-hmm. I don't know if that would make a difference or not, because it's, you know, not Gen 4 versus Gen 3. I, I doubt it, but... And that's Something. that's that alone is worth mentioning that I think people forget about this being what Rocket Lake, even if it does like this looks like it's it's by Ian's review, it looks like it's largely on par with what we have now. Right. Uh, there are, you know, edge cases like AVX 12, 512 support and other things like that. But in general, for normal people, if you're gaming, if you're doing some encoding and stuff like that, it generally looks the same from Ian's early numbers. But it does have PCI Gen 4, which is a huge step forward if you're doing any sort of big data transfers and stuff like that. So that alone makes it worth, you know, I'm glad that these parts are coming out. Yeah. Um, do you think overall that looking at what you've seen in this review, I, we don't want to get the, the horse ahead of the cart here, but... Does it make you feel good that this part is hitting where it's supposed to hit? Or I guess I'm a little underwhelmed by this. There's a lot of, there's still a lot to be known, but I, I did just expect it to do a little better. I mean, it still yeah. feels like, I guess what I want to know is if you had to take an 11th gen part, this i7, up against a Ryzen 7 5800X versus a 10th gen part, a 10700K, mm-hmm. what, which one would you take, right? Well, between all three of those CPUs, you have them on your screen. You could do buy it now. Which which chip, based on what you're seeing here, would you go for? Uh, we're going to have to wait for the full reviews with the final things. But based off of this, uh, the 5800X is a little bit faster than the 11700K in a lot of the every like everyday real world kind of testing. Uh, and it uses 80 watts less power at peak. So <laughs> that's a pretty strong recommendation. Plus, we we don't know the price of this yet. This oh, was okay. they bought it. They paid 460 for it. I think they 469. Said. But that was probably yeah. You know, they bought it from a dealer who was selling it a month early. So there's probably a little bit extra on top. Yeah, I think it's all going to come down to price and performance and availability. That's the world that we live in today. Like, it depends where they price it. If you can actually get it at that price, how many are available? That's what it's going to boil down to. Let, let me narrow it down a little more. If you had a choice between a 10th gen i7 and the 11th gen i7, which one would you all I always take? buy the newer parts. Especially, like I said, gen 4, like, 
it's worth it. It's worth it getting PCIe Gen 4 SSDs. If you're planning on ever possibly upgrading that, it's worth it. Uh, another thing that it's still a future thing, so you shouldn't hang your hat on it yet, but if you're in two creative workloads, uh, the Intel stuff will support Deep Link, and Deep Link is looking super cool. I did a review a couple of weeks ago of the Acer Swift 3X that includes some, some Deep Link stuff, and if you're interested in any of that, that'll, that might make going to Intel worth it if you know Deep Link continues on the path that it's on. It's still the very early days for that, too. Yeah, you know what I'm well, I, I'm I'm just gonna give you my preference. If I had to choose between all three, most of the time I'd probably go for the Ryzen for the you know, I don't really care that much about power savings on a desktop, but I do, you know, it does feel like yeah, I'd probably go for the fifty eight hundred X. There are some times when I would go for the eleventh gen and between the tenth gen and the eleventh gen, I would definitely take the eleventh gen over the tenth gen part. Even if it's a small premium. If it were like 20 or 30 bucks for the 11th gen rocket lake even based on what i'm seeing from ian i i would definitely take that over the 10 gen part is my feeling because you're getting avx 512 which isn't the predominant thing that is used out there but it is growing intel has a, a lot of developer support so i think that's going to help you in a lot of places it'll start showing up in a lot of the you know professional content creation applications so i think it's worth it there uh, Bread, Gen 4. Brad, we have Gen 4. We, we have some people, uh, maybe you can clarify what Deep Link is. Uh, there's a couple people who didn't know what it was. Okay, yeah, sorry. So Deep Link is Intel technology, a secret sauce. That makes it so if you have an Intel discrete GPU, which they just started rolling out this year, in your system with a processor that has an integrated GPU inside, you can put them both to work at once. So you can use all the encoders across both things. You can use the special AI sauce that they have in it. Uh, and, you know, the workloads that support it, it, it even put RTX GPUs to shame in the test that I did, even though I was using a laptop that basically had integrated graphics and a discrete graphics that were the equivalent of integrated graphics. So hopefully later this year, we're going to see Intel desktop graphics cards available to purchase. So this is all, you know, very far future looking, but that could be a compelling reason once those things start happening. So I'm going to interject real quick, actually, because I have a question for y'all. Since we don't know for sure the pricing, um, although I suspect that the retailer's price is going to be close to what it is, I I just don't think it's going to be that far off the mark personally. Um, Would you still say everything you just said, given that the 10700K is actually like 320 right now, which is quite a bit lower than what we're talking about for the 5800X and this new uh, 11th gen part? I think I would probably pay, I would pay more. How would I pay $140 more? That really stretches it. So I would definitely feel like it's within like 50 to $60 sort of price delta, but when you're getting up over a hundred dollars and I, I think that's, that's, that's pretty painful, but you know, so one thing I, I do want to add is, and um, you know, cause Ian has a test suite that he uses, used it for, this is a new one, but he's used it for a little while now. I definitely want to see the difference uh, from 11th gen to 10th gen in Adobe products, because what I've seen in a lot of laptops, 
Intel with Tiger Lake and even Ice Lake to an extent is really putting distance between itself and AMD on a lot of Adobe products, Photoshop, some things in Premiere. Definitely there's these weird actions in Photoshop that are heavily, heavily optimized for Intel microarchitecture. You never really saw that with, you know, Comet Lake, any, anything older. So I'm interested to see if you're running Photoshop and you're running content-aware fill and you're just kicking the crap out of everything else out there just because you have AVX 512 and whatever they're using special sauce in this new part, that may that might well make it worth a hundred bucks, especially you know plus you're getting faster PCIe storage. So, so we'll we'll see. I that's why I definitely want. Hopefully, uh, when we do our review, you will actually see some Adobe stuff there that I I think, you know, uh, is more optimized for Intel. Uh, but at the same time, Adobe is the 900-pound gorilla of uh, content creation. I'm, I'm going to come from the gamer perspective and say, if you can get the 10700K for 325, go get it. <laughs> if that's what you just said, it was selling for. Like that's that's a great price. The yeah. 5800X is, I think, 450. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if this part launches. I think the 10700K launched at 375. I wouldn't be surprised if this launched at 400 bucks. And if you're just a gamer, I don't know if there's $75 worth of difference there, unless you really want PCIe 4.0. Yeah, I would agree, because that's just, $70 is a lot to make up, although I don't know what you're doing with that extra 70 bucks, though, so. Yeah, I was about to say, like, what are you going to spend it on currently? You can't put it towards uh, more GPU, unfortunately. Another game. Or storage, I guess. I guess. Yeah, I just sort of, the GPU situation is so insane right now, I, I don't even know. Yeah, I don't know. How much are 1030s? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely more than that. <laughs> uh, we do have some good questions from the chat if you want to you get to those. Yeah. Uh, Alexander Dom uh, asked, uh, I also wonder how much smaller and maybe cheaper Intel could have made the die if they just ripped out the AVX512 support. Is it, is it that simple? I don't think it's that simple, and although that has been suggested by others as well, um, you know, former Intel or Francois is, is not a fan of of putting AVX into into these parts. I again, I would disagree. Um, it probably could have saved some space. It could have saved power, but you know, when you are, and this is something that same thing. Um, uh, we asked that question of of Raja, and he's like, look. Yeah, I know people, same thing, because Linus Torvald said the same thing. It's like, you know what? Why don't you get rid of this stuff? It ain't good. Nobody need any good. And he's like, we can't not include these on new future cores. We go, we, if we're going to say this magic is going to lift all boats, we now suddenly can't push a boat, this this thing that doesn't support that, right? So if they're going to basically, so uh, this is pointed out by Ian, they have AVX 512 in server. They've had it in server. They've had it in workstation. They've had it in mobile for some some time. So now we finally see it in in desktop parts. And if you're really seeing AVX, you see. Go look at the reviews of you know the Topaz stuff. Go look at some of the the um, uh, Creative Cloud stuff and things that do leverage Intel's uh, special sauce instruction set. They they kick ass. They they kick AMD ass. They kick Apple M1 ass. So. It's worth it. Now, if they decided like, yeah, we're going to back off of this for whatever, as a developer, it's like, 
uh, you know what? I'm not going to bother to, I'm not going to support it until everybody has this, right? So you have to, you have to do the hard work of taking the pain and, and maybe sucking, but at least getting these instructions out there because it pays off. It's like, look at NVIDIA and, and ray tracing. Hardware ray tracing, NVIDIA's riding that pony all the way across the finish line. And if they just said, you know what, we're not going to do this till it's ready, they would be two years behind now. So you got to do the hard work. And I think that's, people always want to like, just give it to us when it's ready. And that's just not realistic. Even to get to the point where quad cores made a difference and you could actually have software and an operating system that could use quad cores took years and years and years of people paying for that hardware, not being able to use it. They could run a benchmark. That was it. But it was basically you were paying for nothing for all those years. But those people paid to make the developers actually support it. Because they're like, hey, now there's four four core CPUs. Now there's eight core CPUs. It, it just, you can't not do it and then expect developers to go there. They're, it just, the, the, the chicken has to make the egg. I'm sorry. It's just like, it doesn't happen otherwise. <laughs> uh, well, Gordon Drew- is ruled. Chicken <laughs> yeah. came before egg. <laughs> uh, Drew Respire yeah. followed up and said, uh, does AVX 512 even matter for a part like this? My local Micro Center has a 10980XE for $900. I imagine anyone using a- AVX 512 would seriously benefit from over two times more cores. What do you think about that? Wait, how much is it? Uh, it said 900 How much was it? Yes, yeah, it's, it's $900, though. Probably- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess you could argue, well, what are you going to put that extra money at? You can't buy a GPU. So although you can run this part, the K parts, without a GPU. So that is uh, – you're not running that that uh, that Core X part without a GPU. Yeah, no, there's there's an argument that for people doing, you know, serious research, yeah, you're going to want a bigger, fatter part with more cores. But this is supposed to be a – this is supposed to be a part that gets AVX 512 down to – Whatever the Core i5 version is going to cost. No one knows what it's going to cost. But if you can finally get AVX 512 support in a chip that is $300, $350, then that is a a move forward for for Intel. And and again, it's just like, it's just like, just like NVIDIA and ray tracing. I mean, they took it on the chin from everybody for a long time, whining and whining and whining about why they bothered to support hardware ray tracing. But their situation right now with 30 series wouldn't be where they are now without, you know, paying the price. So I, I think people have to understand that. It's, again, just like we didn't just wake up one morning and get the eight-core Ryzen's, right? Somebody had to push out a, a, a two-core and then pay the price. And then Intel had to make a quad-core that, you know, you got nobody had any use for, to be honest. Most people did not have use for it, but you had to do it, so... Uh, well, a, c- a couple more questions that are uh, about how the sausage is made. Um, Bat Tech asked earlier, Gordon, would you have done this if you could have, meaning bought the part early and reviewed it? You know, so I, yes. So you always want to go like, yeah, you know what? This part is out there. It's a free-for-all. If a consumer can buy it and post a review on Reddit or a forum, a professional reviewer should also be able to do that. I generally would agree with that in principle, but let me tell you what you think is right is not the same thing a lawyer thinks is right. If you have sworn secrecy on something and you still talk about it 
If you think that company does not want to drag you through court for a long time just to see how much you twist in the wind and they feel like it, they could potentially do that. I don't think they would do it, but it's something you have to really, really think about and you have to run it past lawyers because, you know, you can be sued for the wrong thing. And even though it sounds like, wow, this certainly is just, hey, you know what? It certainly was $28,000 of the legal fees just, right? So that's, it's, it's a really sticky situation. That said, I agree with that one. Uh, you definitely want to run this by your lawyers before you do it. Uh, two, yeah. Ian said he was in contact with Intel, let him know this was coming. Not going to disclose any NDA stuff, you know. So he, he was going around asking for comment, doing the proper journalistic stuff, which is great. I personally would have ran this all day long if I was in his shoes uh, yeah. and assuming I could get the lawyers to sign off on it. And the yeah. NDAs that you sign, I don't personally deal directly with Intel until recently when, you know, all this Z stuff started coming out. Uh very often. So I haven't signed any NDAs with Intel, but typically NDAs only they don't restrict you from covering stuff that's publicly available, which if you're buying a CPU at a retailer, that's the definition of publicly available. And if you do have an NDA, uh, it won't cover stuff that they don't disclose to you. So what Ian's doing here is he's buying this publicly available part, running tests on it, he didn't explain any of the secret background stuff. He didn't explain any context that Intel might have given reviewers now or in the near future that it might be NDA under. Like to me, he it's a very delicate needle to thread, and I think Ian did it very well in this case. Yeah, you, uh, Ian, you should if you get this chance do this. In my opinion, as a journalist, so yeah, and, and all everybody who you know the the problem with our profession is we like talking no matter what. So if you give us a chance to talk about something that nobody else knows, that's even better. But, you know, again, lawyers, you know, mm -hmm. lawyers are, there's a reason they're Buzz Killington all the time. And you could potentially still end up in a jackpot because they want to, you say something bad about a product or something and they just want to sue you. Oprah said that, you know, people should stop eating beef. That landed her in court, right? That's just. Yeah, it's stupid, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, even but, if even if there's no merit to it, if they sued them, they would be thousands of dollars of legal fees. So, yeah, I think it'd be hard to see this coming from a smaller vendor, a smaller publication for yeah. that very reason. Although, you know, you sort of fly under the radar sometimes there because you're you're smaller and, you know, they may not be under the same embargoes. And mm -hmm. I think also I would think that. In this case, they know, like, yeah, somebody really screwed up here. Yeah. And you would hope that whoever screwed up and actually started selling something, you know, a month ahead of time, that it never happens again. But that's not that's not our problem. That is not our problem. So True. Uh, to follow that up, Mo Jake said, uh, wonder if the review is going to affect uh, Ian's relationship with Intel. Uh, how, how do you think that's going to pan out? I think it all depends on whether the vendor feels the reviewer was fair to them, um, you know, and again, you know, Ian is, you know, he is one of the most respected hardware reviewers out there. So I'm going to guess they, they understand that it's business. It's not personal. And I think most, it most likely won't make any difference. Um, but it depends very much on who you are, what your reputation is, whether you can be fair, whether you can say what the truth is, you know, um, 
at the same time, sometimes that doesn't matter because you know what? You have just really, really took a whiz and somebody's Wheaties in the morning. That's very high up in a company. And they say, put the hammer down on you. We've seen that in the last few months of somebody getting the hammer put down on them. Nobody knows why, but you could guess that somebody's like, Hey, put the hammer on these folks. Right. Mm -hmm. So it can happen. And that's a, that's if, if you give them a reason to put the hammer down on you and it happens, I've, I've been at a publication and we were banned for a year at one point. So it, it, it happens. So what can you do? We've been banned by a couple different game companies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I've got one from uh, Boz. It says uh, on the, on the subject of reviewing the, the part, uh, how come uh, reviewers could make an additional uh, chapter and reviews that cover both uh, cover CPU tests at different RAM speeds. Then you can cover both base and overclock different timings. Why don't you do that, Gordon? Oh, can I yeah. answer this? Can I answer yeah. this? Oh, please. Because <laughs> there's only so many damn hours in the day. <laughs> you got to pick one and go with it. These are insanely complicated things. CPUs are worse than GPUs and GPUs these days between resizable bar ray tracing ray tracing with dlss on it's starting to become the same it's just like it takes a long time to do this and that would add a ton of time yeah and it, it, i know everybody always wants more testing but so do I've we if doing, we could and so do we if we could but i will tell you reality doesn't say your boss is never telling you oh why don't you just take some more time and test it a few more hundred times it just doesn't you got to have it. You have to put it out, and there's there's just limitations. I do. It's sort of like the whole MCE thing when everybody was like, "Oh my God, you shouldn't be testing with MCE on." And you know, eventually, you just have to take a line that I can't test four hundred different ways. There's, especially now, where it's like, well, GPUs are so short. If you only have one, if so, I do CPU. I don't still don't have a, a Gen four GPU. If I got one, do I now? Now I can't do parallel testing because I normally would use two or three of the same card. Now I have to do it in, in a serial manner. So now you're running out of even more time. And and I think, I think as a consumer of benchmarks is you should basically look at different reviews. If, if mm -hmm. Ian yeah. is doing quarter core latency, Steve is doing this hardware box is doing this. I'm doing this. So-and-so is doing that. You look, you, you look at it all, you read it all, you consume it, and you find what works for you, what you want to take away. And if you want to just look at somebody's benchmark and carve out the one you want to go run to Twitter or Reddit to go rub it in your fan's face, that's your right too. I don't think that's the right thing to do, but that that is totally fair. So if you think about just to put it in a little bit more context, because apparently that's my word of the day is for most uh, benchmark runs, you want to run at least three different times and kind of figure out an average of it just to, cause just in case there's any wonkiness in it, right? So you're going to want to run each benchmark at least three times, figure out the average. So if you only have 10 programs or, or benchmarks or tests that you're running, that 10, which is a very conservative number, most of our reviews have more than 10 different benchmarks in them. You got to run that three times. So all of a sudden that's 30. Right. That's 30 benchmark runs, which takes a long time. And so if you want to redo it with two different memory speeds, like each time you add, that adds 30 more tests to it. So if you want to test it with one kind of memory speed, the JDEC stuff that uh, Ian does, if you want to do it with the 
memory kits like gamers would use, like Gordon kind of does. And if you want to do the the cast timing latencies that Steve Gamers Nexus does, those three different ways, all of a sudden that's 90 benchmark runs as opposed to 30. And it just gets exponentially bigger the more that you do. So that's why. <laughs> you got to kind of figure out where the sweet spot is and stick to it. Yeah, I have I a question. Feel- oh, okay, I'm just going to add to all this that I feel like um, – it's interesting listening to some of the like hardware and box or gamers nexus videos and they throw out a number about how many benchmarks they've done and like as somebody who has done benchmarking like i always like kind of whistle when i hear it because it's just like ooh, like because you can do that mental calculation and you know how much time it's taking them but i i don't know if the audience really appreciates like truly appreciates in the sense of uh, being able to put themselves in that those shoes um not as in like just not being able to appreciate it uh of like how much these reviewers are doing for everybody and why like just for the sake of people being able to sleep and eat and still spend time with their families that you know there is this camaraderie where it's like you know i couldn't do those but like go check out this person because they do great work and so like that way you get that whole view that you want from a consumer perspective um and i mean i know everyone wants to hear it from their favorite you know, tech tuber or, you know, outlet or whatever, but, uh, it's so that we can all stay sane. Yep. Nice. Uh, well, well, I was going to ask a question. I have a question. So it is, again, it is, this used to happen a lot more in the old days, but do you think that having your review run a few weeks ahead of time, does that pollute any other reviews as a reviewer, you know, because typically you don't even know what anybody else's results are until the embargo lifts. Nobody ever really shares information unless there's a unless there's an extreme case. But most of the time, you wait. The embargo comes out. You're hoping your results aren't. You're not standing out in left field by yourself. But we now have one published review. Do you think this could potentially make other reviewers go, "Oh, well, I I need to." do this test or this possibly could color my review because I've seen this. I'm sure we all read it. Do you think that matters? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't think it'll make anything worse necessarily. Or I think that if you see something like this and you do see some oddities, like Ian is seen with the, the latency between cores and stuff like that. uh, That's probably not standard parts of most people's testing. And once you see something like that, you're like, huh, that's weird. I'm going to dig more into that. So it it does pollute by saying, hey, maybe there's these weird aspects I should dedicate more time to that I normally wouldn't. So, uh, which I would argue is actually a good thing for the wider ecosystem. Nice. Uh, I don't know if it, um, I mean, oh, sorry. I was going to throw in my two cents too. Sorry, Zoom's acting weird for me. I think there's always that chance that it could pollute, but as Brad was saying, like, but I don't think it's necessarily in a harmful way. And I think for everyone who does this, most everyone's an old hat at it and knows how to kind of partition off in their head uh, what uh, could turn it into a bias and just go into it thinking like, this is how I would have done it anyway. And things change too. I mean, like if it's a month out, I mean, you don't know what's going to happen behind the scenes. Like it's not just for CPUs, but for anything. Nice, uh, and I think we'll cover this more too when we get uh, your own reviews up. So I, I say, well, why don't we move on because we're running a little bit, you know, short on time. So uh, this next one is about getting parts. Uh, Elena, 
you're you're one of the go-to people for trying to find parts find deals find inventory i guess it sounds like there's amd parts in stock recently uh which is a good thing yeah excuse me sorry i'm a little distracted because the cat is like what i call sharking around my legs and just like (laughs) meowing nonstop, and i'm getting a little worried that it's picking up on the microphone um so you know it's kind of interesting because uh I mean, when we started the the show today, there were already people in chat saying, like, man, if you guys are just going to talk about graphics cards, I'm bouncing because there's mm-hmm. there's none to be had. I don't I don't need I don't need this. Uh, and a lot of people have asked us, like, you know, how am I supposed to get my hands on this new stuff? Um, Gordon just did an article about how Ryzen processors, at least the six and eight core ones, are starting to become more available for Zen three parts. And I'm actually looking right now, so you can actually still get a 5600X from B&H. It's not selling out immediately like it has been, um, like, which suggests that more people are finally get, getting their hands on it. There's not this like huge crush of demand still. 5800X, all still in stock right now. So I don't know if they've just pushed that much into the channels or if we're starting to level off in terms of people getting what they want. Uh, but it looks like there's some relief in sight on the CPU side. For Hallelujah. The, yeah, but for the GPU side, oh, it's, it's dark times, as everyone knows. So uh, I have some tips for that, but it looks like Gordon's about to say something. So No, I was going to say, if you go to our story on the Ryzen's, um, I did put in a direct link to AMD's buy page. So AMD basically this morning said, hey, we we're just shipping more parts out now, so you know we're we're trying to make them available but interestingly the per, the AMD said we're shipping more Ryzen's and Radeons and we're also making them directly available on AMD you know .com there's a link in that story so basically you go to that story bookmark that AMD page randomly hit it then maybe you'll get a you know new generation Radeon directly from AMD without any markup you just got to visit that page and hopefully maybe beat the uh the bots there. Uh, speaking of beating the bots, there are some strategies for it. I think, I mean, a lot of people are doing this already. I know Jay did a video on this too, but you know, I just throw my two cents in there. Uh, that's not a pun. <laughs> it's not a pun. <laughs> Although it worked out kind of well. Yeah, it worked great. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously the first step for me is, just signing up for all the notifications possible so that, for example, B&H has in-stock notifications. Um, you know, Newegg has their shuffle stuff that you can keep track of. Uh, email listservs, like just anything that you can get pushed to you, have it pushed to you. Um, I actually go a little bit deeper than that, though. And this is something that I don't see a lot of people talk about. And I would say that if you're somebody like me who can't program um, and can't actually create your like your own bot, I would say that the the next best thing is to um, use whatever automation tools you have at your fingertips. So for me, that's you know if then then that. So what I do is I take um, ifttt and I hook it into um, or I connect it with uh, Slack. 
because that I know has really no like reliable notifications. And then like when it's not specifically for things that I have to get right away, I can snooze those notifications as well. So like, let's say I'm in the middle of an important meeting or, you know, dealing with like family or something, I can say like snooze that for 20 minutes and hopefully I can come back to it as opposed to it just going straight out of my head and I never get back to it. And so what I do, and so what I do is I take um, if then, then that I connect it to Slack. And then what I do is I create a recipe where I basically say, go take this, um, let's say Reddit's uh, build a PC sales uh, subreddit uh, RSS feed. And then I want these keywords. So then I don't get the whole fire hose. Like I don't necessarily have to like go through every single listing that comes up. Sure. I might miss something, but then, you know, it's kind of balance, like how much, how thorough do I want to be versus how much time do I have? So, you know, obviously you can tailor it to you. And then I take that and I have that push to Slack. So then basically I'm just having like my own Slack butler, so to speak, just be like, excuse me, would you like to buy this? You know, is there a delay on that? Like how much of a delay between it getting posted on Reddit and I think it's, I think that's really, I haven't timed it. So I haven't benchmarked that. That's a great, (laughs) great question. Um, I, I just kind of assume that, you know, as fast as it hits the feed, it's going to be hitting Slack. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's always kind of a delay. I'm sure, like I said, if I could program, I'd be able to tighten things up, you know, much more, but as somebody who's a non-programmer, this is kind of my, uh, backend way of. Yeah. That's genius. I, I never thought yeah. of that. That's a smart and way to do it. You don't have to do it with Slack either. One well, nice things about like these automation type, uh, these, these like things where, um, covers for the non-programming is that it hooks into a lot of different services. So like, maybe you're not a Slack person. Maybe you hate those kind of push notifications. Maybe you don't even look at your phone often, but you're on your desktop. You can have a push to email instead, you know? So you, you can tailor it to however suits you. It just takes a little bit of like tweaking. But there are tools out there. So you can do that. You can, uh, if that's too much work for you, you can always do like uh, joining Discord servers, which a lot of people have done. I am, I'm on those too. So you get, uh, you join like a, diff- a certain channel or a role or whatever. And so like a 5600X comes into stock, a 3090 comes into stock, a PS5 comes into stock and you get pushed and everyone's like, oh, gotta go, gotta go, you know. <laughs> See how fast you can get to your browser. All of a sudden, the Discord <laughs> channel gets extremely quiet because everyone's rushing. Is there like a bat signal that goes up? Like, oh, PS5. That's, that's basically what it is. <laughs> you know, so they're like, there are different channels, right? There's like specific ones just for notifications. And then there's obviously ones that are for chatter and, you know, never shall the two meet, so to speak. So <laughs> it doesn't get too convoluted. We try to have something like that on our Discord, but it's not definitely nowhere no, not near bot, as, as deep. It's not bot-based, yeah, though. Yeah, it, is, uh-uh. it is. It's human-based. Like, no, it's a, our Discord a deal alert channel is more like a mini, like slick deals where it's just crowdsourced. We're like, yo, I saw this. Heads up. These Discord servers are more about trying to get people, like having a bullhorn and telling people, like, this is in stock. Go now. <laughs> Drop everything. Maybe Release the, the hordes. Exactly. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. I need to switch windows real quick. By the way, the, I never would yeah, have these thought are all good. set up like that. I, yeah. I, I, you know, I've been dying, like, I've been dying to tell people about this whole if then, then that 
uh, like hack kind of thing that I've done because I think it's so useful. Most everybody who's listening to this show, it's well within your wheelhouse and probably a lot of people already can program. They don't even need this, but you can kind of, you know, do your own if you really wanted to. I mentioned it to somebody at CES at like NVIDIA at one point. He was like, oh, that's pretty good. I'm like, do it. It saves so much time. <laughs> like I used to go through Slick Deals listings like, like the actual fire hose of hot deals. And this simplified my life so much because now I can like really hit the things that I want and I don't have to, I don't have to like constantly be like. What are the keywords you use? Is it like 40%? Are you triggering on 40% or something or like 30% off? That's still a lot of things. Um, No, I mean, for me, it's just the keyword of specific things. So like 5600X or 3080 or, you know, I, I was looking for a small form factor Corsair power supply for a while so i was uh, kind of keeping an eye out for that you can use it i mean it's one of those things where you know keyword searching is always a little bit of a, a black box you don't always know what's gonna grab for you so i usually keep the terms as simple as possible and uh, as keyed in as possible without being overly restrictive yeah, yeah, like the, the part, more you do the it the numbers. more yeah uh you know what's always in uh, stock is uh, full nerd merch. I, I just oh. dropped some some links in the chat. Nice, you know, nice yeah, there. there you go. <laughs> I always forget to mention that we have that. Uh, Wait, is it actually for sale now? Yeah, it's been it for been sale for Christmas. <laughs> look, look behind him. There's there's been the art forever. Like how many months now? Yeah. I thought that was just the samples. Like Adam is just he's scamming all the samplers. <laughs> We'd like a sample of your product first. <laughs> oh, we're still paying for the samples. A couple hundred of the samples. <laughs> yeah, we, really? we still have to pay oh. for the samples. Yeah, uh, you you pay you get to pay at cost, but yeah, whatever. You're still paying for it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we don't make profit on ourselves for the samples. <laughs> that would be funny though. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, so that's that's the first big tip. So just like get get things that send you notifications so that again just to recap that is you know rss feeds um uh, email listservs uh do they even call that anymore <laughs> gosh uh email lists um notifications discord servers even like twitter accounts if there are like people who are doing things on there uh forums uh your own homebrew thing that i just kind of went into a little depth with so the notifications are I think one of the best ways to do it if you cannot, if you have to shop online, because the next tip is shop local. So obviously with the pandemic being what it is and the fact that a lot of people aren't going out as much, it's actually a little bit easier if you can get to a local computer store. So if you have a micro center nearby, obviously that's going to be awesome for you um, but we have like a small chain here in the bay area called central computers so that's also been a, a good spot for me to get like motherboards and um, power supplies when i was having trouble getting them online uh, most places have at least some shop like in the area maybe not, not necessarily a small chain but there's got to be at least one i would say prices vary obviously uh, our local ones have been pretty good about staying close to MSRP and when it's a little bit above it's still available for a small business even in non-high demand times so like let's say like 5 to $10 more maybe 15 which to me is still reasonable because mm-hmm. they have they are buying in smaller quantities they're not going to be able to get volume discounts you know they have to deal with all that 
And especially because it's available when I can't get anywhere else. Like, great, you're not scalping. That's cool. I'll, <laughs> I'll definitely support you. Uh, and then the third tip I have, this is all pretty quick, basic uh, advice, is as we talked about before, pre-builds, that's always an option. Although it's getting harder with pre-builds as well. So unless you're, like, as I've mentioned before, if you're looking at somebody who's a big vendor like Dell, HP, you're not really going to see much of a markup, at least not while things are crazy because uh, they tend to price things out further. They tend to have uh, larger stocks. So it doesn't, they don't see the fluctuations in price as fast. So that also applies to times when prices are dropping as well. So when prices are good, I am less likely to go to the big vendors just because their prices move slower in general. But for now, that's a good thing. So, that's a great tip right there. Um, NZXE, uh, built, Let's Build Service, iBuyPower, CyberPower, their prices are already been changing because they go through their stock much more quickly. And so they, they can't necessarily shield consumers or buyers from the the horrible, horrible hikes in GPUs. Hmm. It's also nice too. I, I just realized like, cause you would think if you were a large OEM, like this is a great time to profit take, right? You would just mark up prices because you know, people can't get them anywhere else, but it doesn't sound like they're really doing a lot of profit taking. Yeah. I've always wondered that too, honestly. I mean, if, I had all the spare time in the world, that would be one thing I'd want to to kind of ask them about, like their philosophy behind that. You know, like, because, um, yeah, if Dell wanted to, they've got the volume for it. You know, hiking prices, they could. I just wonder for them, it's just, there's just too much, uh, like, logistical and, like, stuff in the background that would make that a problem in, in addition to the whole, like, perception of U.S. company thing. Well, they they do never get credit for doing the right thing because it sounds like they're doing the right thing right now too. So they they generally always have. So yeah, it's been very very steady. Like a lot of the really big companies, Lenovo, HP, Dell, their pricing doesn't tend to be so um, violent in terms of fluctuations. It feels like that, right? Like, like one day you it look. And just like, it's like whiplash. You're just like, oh, my neck. Yeah. It's especially with these Ryzen's. It's like, I mean, it's a week and they're just kind of always, you know, never in stock. And suddenly like Amazon, Newegg, B&H, no problems. MSRP. And it's just bizarre that they're uh, everywhere now. So, but it went from like, you know, 50% markup to now suddenly MSRP. It's like, it is a, it is that violent, like off a cliff kind of thing yeah it's not even a roller coaster it just feels like someone like pushing you off a cliff with a bungee cord yeah yeah <laughs> you wish it was a roller coaster because it's not as smooth <laughs> so uh those that's, that's like a like like my super condensed version of you know all the things to think about if you're trying to get these really hard to get you know components um that it's just really kind of luck. So you're trying to make as much opportunity for yourself as possible, really. I think I think that's very helpful because we have a second oh, Adam. It's Adam looking up. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I think Can that's you still hear me. 
Yeah. Yeah, we can hear you on the, oh on the main, the main I'm view. Have, I'm having horrible audio problems. Oh, my Sorry. God. So I'm, I'm having to connect to the Zoom on my phone. Oh, my God. Sorry. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that's very helpful, all the stuff you just said, because a lot of people I know just sign up for email notifications for these parts, the graphics cards that are very hard to get. And pretty much universally, uh, by the time that email notification hits their inbox, it's already too late. So, you know, having IFTT set up is is genius, I think. Uh, I was going to say, this is something that Jay emphasized in his video, and I almost forgot to do here as well. Make sure you get push notifications. Like, I know they can be annoying and they can get overwhelming on your phone. But if you really want this, like, you need to, to have that shoved to you as soon as it hits, you know, Discord, your RSS feed, whatever it is you're tracking. So... If you go into the settings for whatever app you're using, be it email, Slack, whatever, there's usually a setting somewhere in the advanced features that lets you tweak whether check for these messages every 30 seconds, every minute, mm-hmm. instantaneously. So that's what you're yeah. talking about. So Yeah. It, it will burn your battery on your phone faster. So if you're someone who actually still works uh, like at an office or not at home. Uh, just keep that in mind. But if you're like a lot of us and you're stuck at a desk anyway, just, you know, plug your phone in. It'll be fine. Uh, I have a comment from, since Adam can't read anything right now, <laughs> I have a comment from S7473. Uh, he's or she got a PS5 stock alert on Twitter account. Turned on notifications. Mm-hmm. That's how I got one last week. Mm-hmm. It's a good trip. Uh, I I can't talk. I uh, just hearing double of myself. So, uh, oh, that's really annoying. okay. I thought you were like. So I know we had a question from Twitch. Uh, let's see if I can grab that real quick. Yeah, all, actually, it's all chaotic uh, now. That was a just a mess. Steering us. Uh, I was going to ask this before it all went to hell, but yeah, they mm-hmm. were asking: Is it even worth it to build a PC right now? Uh, just the price of GPUs being so high, or you just can't get them. I said, like, I think the wording was specifically is a pointless. pointless and yeah. I would say for the, so that's like, that's a, it's a kind of a, one of those words where we always have to do like our lawyer ass kind of response where it's like, well, what, what exactly do you mean by pointless? Like, what's your situation? And um, so Jessamess did follow up and say that they wanted to do art and play games like Apex and Halo, don't want to pay 3000 for a desktop. And I would say in that case, yes, at the moment, it is pointless to try to build a PC because you're going to way overspend for what you want to do. But for somebody else who, like Gordon, likes to bring up this a lot where if you're, you have to work on that you know, computer, if you're a freelancer and you have to bring in money with that computer, then, you know, sometimes you got to bite the bullet and do your best to not get too, okay, I can't say that on air, not to do your best not to have to overspend too much. Um, uh, you just kind of have to bite the bullet. There we go. There's a family friendly phrase that I can use. Would you say, I mean, I kind of think like if I were building a computer today from scratch no parts i would hinge everything on getting a gpu at close to to list price like if so you're watching that amd buy site or nvidia site where there's where they're selling directly and you score the card like once you have a card then it feels like then you can build everything else but if you don't have that graphics card 
and it just feels like it may take you eight months to get it, it, it it's better just to, to hinge everything on the GPU first, right? Yeah, 100%. Although something that, because we focus on CPUs and GPUs and stuff here, uh, something that goes a little bit under the radar, power supplies are incredibly expensive right now, too. You can, te- you can get them a lot easier as long as you're not going for 1,000 watts plus. If you're going for a modest single GPU one, it's a lot easier to get, but you will pay a premium for that, too. But yeah, right. for me, it's it's it all hinges on the GPU at this point. You can find CPUs. You can find Ryzen 5000 using the tips that Elena just said. Even just go in to the store right now, the e-tailer, you can get it. Uh, but if you can't get a graphics card, it's it's not worth it. The current, the 10 series Intel parts, you can get at good prices, as Elena mentioned earlier. So it's all on that graphics card. Like, I would not buy a from scratch gaming computer right now i would not try to build one unless like gordon said you put elena's tips to good use and you get one of those graphics cards i would much rather use you know obligatory geforce now reference here i'd much rather stream my games (laughs) until stuff gets until stuff gets sane you know at the start of every episode we should instead of taking a pool on whether or not you're going to mention geforce now we should take a pool on when how fast (laughs) the mention's going to come I'm working on my RTX 3060 review finally. It came to me late because of the Texas stuff. And I, I honestly think at the end of it, I'm going to say, hey, man, don't pay 520 bucks for this. Go play GeForce now. So It's $520? Is that what it's going for? Most, most of the, uh, the uh, aftermarket high-end cards are like $500 plus, yeah. That is, that is another trend that we've been seeing with uh, this generation of cards or card releases of like the the elusive MSRP uh, founders edition or like you know stock edition of the card, where they the presentation is like it's gonna be three hundred and thirty dollars and everyone's like yay, and then on launch day it's like five hundred and thirty. Yeah, there's like a hundred of the ones at MSRP, and then ten thousand of the ones that are five hundred dollars. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I wouldn't do, build a PC right now. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we do some Just, questions real quick before we uh, get out of here? Okay. Uh, hopefully before my PC goes on fire. Uh, <laughs> it feels like it's going down, man. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I'm i done with today. Uh, so you can get your questions in over at Discord. We got a channel, yada, yada. Link in the description. Uh, but I'm going to answer a couple questions that came in on YouTube chat. Um CSGO Smokes asked earlier, uh, when are we going to see direct storage titles in games for Gen 4 drives? Hopefully we'll start seeing playing around with it soon. Uh, So direct storage is based on the ultra-fast technology that debuted in the Xbox Series X. It's also coming to Windows. It lets GPUs stream stuff directly from NVMe SSDs for much faster Access, so the idea is it might not necessarily kill, but dramatically enhance loading times, you know, being able to fast travel in world, stuff like that. Uh, It just got released to developers early this year in preview form on Windows. So, you know, I wouldn't expect any major news soon, but the fact that they were already working on it for Xbox Series X means that you might see it faster than you typically see technologies you know, hit the streets on the PC. So I would hope by the end of the year, at the least, we would be hearing more about it in some way. 
Okay. Uh, Stephen Hart is asking, uh, how long until testing with Bar and Sam is enabled is standard for GPs? That's uh, that, yeah. That's more of a me question than you because it doesn't affect you so much, Gordon. Uh, I'm already trying to do it. Like when the 6700 XT comes out, if I wind up getting a, a review sample, I would like to test on Sam and stuff like that. I'm actually part of the reason I haven't put up my RTX 3060 review yet is because I'm migrating to a new Ryzen platform just to have access to resizable bar. Uh, so, you know, I'm hoping for it to be standard fairly soon because it can make a sizable performance difference, but it's going to take a few years for it to become the norm. But it's a sizable enough performance difference. It's worth including now, even though it sucks. Because I was, as I was saying earlier, picture doing all those fifty runs I do to test the graphics cards. Now I got to do them twice. So I, I will add, though, Brad, it's already a standard. I have been testing with bar support already. So there, no <laughs> laptops. They basically, yeah. when the thirty series laptops came out, they the initial laptops came out without bar support. And then they rolled out BIOS updates for all most of them that added it. So it's basically default on any 30 series laptop in Intel. And I would imagine when we see AMD based laptops, uh, AMD, you know, silicon, and it's also basically standard on AMD and NVIDIA um, laptops. So it'll be pretty much standard on laptops from this point out. Well, for discrete GPUs, you got. I have to figure that most people are going to have older systems, so I got to show oh. both. Oh yeah, no, that kind of stinks. I was yeah, actually it looking. Totally at, sucks. <laughs> no, it's another one more one more damn thing. And I I was looking for where Bar would show up in some of the tests that I've done, and it's it's pretty hard. Some things it shows up in, some things it doesn't. So you know, it's one of those weird. If you were using a game that. At the right settings, that seems like it. It makes a difference, but a lot of times you didn't move it that much. Okay. I'm looking uh, at my graphics card spreadsheet, and for a high-end card, well, I want to test at 4K, 1440p, and 1080p, and test uh, ray tracing and ray tracing with DLSS. I already take about uh, 24, 70 to 90, you know, benchmark runs. 70 to 90 scores, so figure triple that. So I, I'd take for new graphics cards, that's what, three times nine, 270 benchmarks runs for a new high-end graphics card, testing, ray tracing, DLSS, standard games at those three resolutions. Uh, if I test with rebar enabled, double that. So all of a sudden I'm going from already 280 or whatever I said, test runs to 500 plus, so... That's why we don't test memory <laughs> in a bunch of different configurations. Okay. Uh, Bad Dog had asked. Can't hear um, you at all, Adam. Really? I can. Uh, I can. I can hear him. Oh. We are having all kinds of technical issues Zoom today. is acting up today. Oh, my God. What's the, what's the question? And oh. we'll relay it then, Adam. Zoom just told me my internet connection is unstable. Oh. oh okay. <laughs> uh, Bad Dog was asking if Brad... Or PC World has ever reviewed any of the streaming services. Speaking of Chief Force now, 
Uh, we reviewed both Stadia and GeForce Now in their initial configurations. They've both been updated since then to have different features and availability of games and stuff like that. And we haven't done a follow-up to that yet. I hope to soon. Uh, but yeah, GeForce Now, if you're already a PC gamer, GeForce Now is probably the better option because it hooks into your existing game libraries and offers. It's 75 free to play free-to-play games alone. You can play at no cost. So I'm sound like a shill. I'm not trying to be. I just really think most people should play that rather than spend a five hundred dollars. Yeah, there's a there's free, free tier. tier. Exactly. And even if you want to pay for the not free tier to get, you know, unlimited or six hour playtime bursts and ray tracing, it's only five bucks a month. So that's a whole lot cheaper than spending five hundred and twenty bucks plus for a sixty class card. Uh okay. The, we have a age-old question from Diego Posada. Is uh, asking, do you think getting a monitor with NVIDIA G-Sync is necessary at this point in time? Necessary, no. Uh, but for me, once you've used Adaptive Sync, be it G-Sync or FreeSync, it's really hard to go back. Once you've tried it, it's awesome. So if you tend to play at higher uh, refresh rates, like if you're a 144 hertz player with low graphic settings and stuff like that, it matters less because the frames are already rendering so quickly. But in general, if you can spring for it, I would. Yeah, and I, I sort of would argue again, say if you have like a you know, a twenty eighty class machine, nothing else really needs a big upgrade and you just got money burning a hole in your pocket. Yeah. Those 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 G Sync premium panels are there's a reason why they cost more money. They're generally premium products. More, there's been more testing on it, more certification. Yes, it locks you into NVIDIA's uh, world. But um, I think it's generally pretty well worth it. I don't think I know anybody with a premium G-Sync panel that says like, yeah, that was a mistake. I never should have spent money on that. Nobody ever says that. So, Even if you do play at a high refresh rate, like I tested the new 360 hertz G-Sync esports panels recently. Holy crap, they are amazing. Like, I'm not typically, like, I'm a, I like more frames per second, but I'm not typically like, I need 360 frames, but 360 frames per second, even at 1080p low resolution, is just like, this is a nice panel. So, and it makes you a better gamer, too. <laughs> I'm already God tier, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, last question, very specific question. We love when we get these uh, from the end says, uh, should I buy a 3900X or wait for a 5950X to drop in uh, price? Oh, waiting for the 5950X to drop in price and max out the AM4 platform. I'm using a Corsair Hero 7 motherboard. How long are you willing to wait? That's really the question. You know, like that's the one I'd ask in return because, I mean, 5950X can't even get one. So I think it's going to be a long time before you'll see a price drop on that. Um, and so it's kind of like, how soon do you need a chip? And how long, you know, and like how urgent is it that you have that uh, extra firepower with the 5950X? That's what I and would say. They, they don't mention what they're on right now, so. Yeah, that's a tough thing, right? Because maybe you really don't need to upgrade. And again, it's exactly what Elena said. If yeah, if you can live without it, then 
it really feels sucky to pay twelve hundred dollars for a fifty nine fifty X, especially when it you should be paying seven hundred dollars. So it I I couldn't do it. I would just feel like but again, if I could do it and then charge my boss for it, then that's different. So depends on your situation and what you're using. So that's they did chime in. Say, if you... oh, I was, was going to say, they did chime in. They said they can wait and they're coming from a 2700X. I would say if you're not using it for work, like if you have a 2700X and it's fine for what you're doing, keep using it. If your eventual eyes are on the 5000 series, but if you're using those cores and you know you can put the 3900 or 3950X cores to work to make money, like it's worth upgrading to make the money now as opposed to waiting for whenever the 5950X becomes available. But for any circumstance other than that, I'd probably just chill out and wait. Yeah. Like if you're really doing 3D modeling or any thread-heavy work at home that can use all those cores, then and you're making money at it, then it basically pays for itself. It's not even a it's a write off, it's a tax write off at that point. So if you just want a fifty nine fifty X because a fifty nine fifty X is awesome and you're just I mean not just, but you're playing games and you're not you're doing browsing in office, Photoshop, yeah, probably I would wait. Okay, cool. Uh, we also have some great questions over on Discord, but I'm done with today, so let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, we better go before it all just simply breaks down here. Just so burst into flames. Check back next week for your Fix Up PC Talk on the Full Nerd. For audio listeners, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. I didn't say Stitcher there because I don't think that ever works. Send questions and comments to the uh, Full Nerd. The full nerd at PCWorld.com. Also, please leave us a review. Every time you do, Ridley Scott does not make an Aliens movie, VC Jester. Thanks for coming. I'm Gordon Ung with Brad Charkas. Adios, y'all. Bye, everyone. And Adam Patrick Murray understands the Alien and Aliens reference there. I think he's on to us. Uh, I have some troubleshooting to do. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>